Today we're going to be continuing our study through the book of Romans. Currently we are in chapter 12. Uh, Before we get started, let's just take one more moment and pray that God would just bless uh, the word as we receive it. Lord, we thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for your direction and guidance. Uh, We thank you that uh, in your word we find promises and a hope for the future. And today we want to remember, we want to, we want to bring to recollection, we want to bring to the forefront of our minds those promises as we consider the hope that you have given us and, and what a value and a joy it is for our lives, Lord. So we just pray that blessing uh, upon the word, that we would receive it and that we would be encouraged to continue to walk in hope. Praise in Jesus' name, amen. All right, last week I mentioned that this section of Romans is kind of written like, uh, like what you see in Proverbs where there is uh, a kind of a list compiling of just um, encouragement or instruction after instruction. Um, they maybe don't feel as much like they tie together. Uh, it seems like maybe they jump a little bit and maybe the transition isn't there, but they, they're all connected with our lives being transformed by God and what it looks like to live a Christian life. Uh, Verses 9 and 10 of this section started talking about love. Uh, Last week in verse 11, we talked about having diligence and and having our hearts uh, stirred up on fire, fervent uh, for serving the Lord. And, uh, And it's important for us to remember that that's that's kind of how we're starting. That's, there's, there's a priority level here of, of the order that these are in. We start with love. Uh, we start with fervor for the Lord. Um, this section is not so much a, a checklist of like things that you have to do uh, in order to be right with God. This is more of like a, a health checkup checklist that we kind of see how we're doing. How are we doing in our spiritual health? Are we uh, loving well? Are our minds being transformed into a mind like Christ? Or are we still kind of stuck in that rut of the way we used to think or the way the, the world thinks? Do we need to spend more time with God to get that, uh, that water to a boil as we talked about last week or have our, our spirits uh, moving with activity showing that we have this love for God? Alongside these qualities and character traits that are listed in this section, um, these are, like I said, these are kind of markers of Christian health. Alongside of them, there's encouragements of how we can maintain them. One of the things that is said about how we love others is that we, we honor them and we put them, we, we give them preference over ourselves. We think of them as more highly than ourselves. That's, that's how we go about doing that. When I talked about serving the Lord well, it talked about having an excitement, having, um, working hard. Sometimes we have to put some effort into to doing things that are, anything, anytime you have to do something that's contrary to your nature, anything that, that you wouldn't just do out of uh, instinct, it, it takes some effort. And so we need to, we instinctively don't necessarily want to follow God. And so we have to remember that we've made a commitment to the Lord, the Spirit's living in us, and we are surrendering daily our lives and our direction to Him. Today we're going to be looking at rejoicing in hope. And, and He's going to be talking, and, and He follows it up with talking about prayer. We maintain our hope by being steadfast in prayer. If you were following along in your Bible, uh, most Bibles have added just above different sections. They'll give little titles, little headings that kind of let you know what the next section is about. 
And I looked at a few different translations, and uh, a couple of them had uh, headings. One said, behave like a Christian. Behave like a Christian. That's what this next section was about. The, another one said, marks of a true Christian. When we look back at the, the beginning of this chapter, it, it kind of um, points us in a direction of what, what exactly is a Christian. It's not spelled out that way, but, but you can see that it's, it's describing what a Christian is. If we read again Romans 12, verses one and two, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, so what is a Christian? A Christian is someone who has heard of the mercies of God, and after hearing about the mercies of God, and, and that these mercies that were given to us because of his great love for us, they've responded by putting their trust in him, uh, putting their, their faith in him to a, to a level that we're offering our lives as a living sacrifice to him, that we're pursuing his mind over our desires. That's, that's what a Christian is. We've received the truth and we've allowed it to change our lives. We've allowed the Holy Spirit to come in and create something new in our lives. The transformation that God does in the life of a Christian starts with love. As I said, we started, this section here started with love. Love for God, love for others, and then the character traits and the actions that Paul describes following are expressions of how that love continues to change how we act. One of the, uh, the other translations, I looked at the heading and it said, uh, love and action. Love and action was the title. I like that. If we have a love for Jesus, it should affect how we act. The King James Version has a more detailed and a little bit more straightforward uh, description of this section. It just says, love, zeal, hope, hospitality. Love, zeal, hope, hospitality. So over the last couple of weeks, we focused on love, and then we focused on zeal, and today we're going to focus on hope. So as we do that, we're going we're to start by reading uh, this section of verses, verses 9 through 12, and verse 12 is the one we're going to be really focusing in on today. It says, Let your love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honoring, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, spude, if you remember from last week, uh, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And then uh, rejoicing in hope. This is verse 12. This is what we're going to be focusing on today. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Rejoicing in hope. It sounds a little bit strange if you don't have the right definition of hope. How can you rejoice in hope? Two weeks ago, I had hope that the Packers would beat the Cowboys. <laughs> I, I, had, I had hope. I, I really didn't know. A lot of people didn't think they could do it. Um, I couldn't rejoice before the game started. Luckily, during that game against the Cowboys, almost by the end of the first quarter, you could start to have real, some confident hope that they were going to win that game. Um, it was... Surprising, but it was a blowout. It's really the kind of game that I like to watch. I, I don't like close games. Some people like the competition. I don't like the stress of it. I just like to see the team I want to win just run away with it. Um, 
But uh, because they were doing so well, I was able to rejoice with hope, not just, you know, wishful hope, but, it, but based on what I saw, I had some confidence that they were actually going to win that game and, and that hope came to fruition and they, did, they really did win that game. Then there was last week's game. You know, some of you maybe don't want to think about that one. Uh, last week's game against the 49er, I went into with some hope. I continued to have some hope through the whole game. Not, not hope like I thought they were going to win, but, but there was a chance, you know. There was a chance they could win. Um, I held on to that hope through the whole game, but I, there was no rejoicing. I didn't rejoice in the hope I had through the game because it was just right on the edge. I didn't know how it was going to end. And unfortunately, uh, that moment of rejoicing never came. So... Uh, Paul says that we can rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. But we can't really rejoice unless we know that we have victory. We can't rejoice if we don't know, know the end. So typically, the use for the word hope is like me hoping for the Packers to win. That's the way we see it used most of the time. It is a hope of some future good. We have some reason to have some expectation for it, but we don't have surety. But there's a different definition of hope, a different use of the word hope that we find used in the Bible and we really don't see it used much elsewhere other than in our faith in Christ. It is a hope that we can be sure of. It is a hope that we put our confidence in. A hope that can't be shaken. It's a hope that is based on the inevitable results of a victory that's already been won. That's why we can have hope, because it's based on the inevitable results of a victory that has already been won. We're not wringing our hands wondering how it's going to end. And during the football game, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Are they going to win? Are they not going to win? Uh, but because our hope is based on something that is already finished, Jesus said on the cross, he said, it is finished. Jesus went in the grave, but then the tomb was empty on the third day and he rose again. The, the victory has already been won, so we don't have to wring our hands about it. We have hope in a victory that's already been won. We've not seen all the results of Jesus' triumph over the grave uh, with our own eyes, but we know that we have this future secure in Christ and we can rejoice. We can rejoice, even though we're not at the end we can rejoice because we know the end. We have a hope that is in heaven and there's nothing and no one that can take it from us. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In verse 5 he said, he has caused. It's past tense. He has caused us to be born again into a living hope. The New Living Translation says, now we live with great expectation. Now we do. He's, he's already caused 
us to be able to live in this hope. So now we live in great expectation. The thing hoped for is in the future, but we live with a knowledge of this guaranteed inheritance today. And so we live with this attitude of great expectation. Verse 6 continues saying, in this you rejoice. In this you rejoice. In this great hope we can rejoice. In, uh, in my house recently, uh, my son Chad has been doing some early rejoicing. He has, he has a birthday coming up this week, and he's been eyeing some presents that are wrapped and sitting in our bedroom. So when he walks by and he sees them, he gets excited for what's to come. He has some, some real expectation and, and a, a sure hope that he's going to be getting something on his birthday. And you can, you can see it in his face. He gets, he gets just... Yeah, I know. I was just—I was going to say. I think he's giddy with excitement, and and to the point where I—I I, I do worry a little bit that his expectations are maybe a little higher than what's in the package. <laughs> but uh, considering all that the Lord has in store for us, do we have that kind of hope? Think about it. Considering what the Lord has in store for us, if you think about it, what is our future? Can you imagine for a second, like? We're going to spend eternity surrounded by the glory of God. We're going to, we're going to feel that kind of love. All, all pain, all hurt, all sorrow is going to be gone. We're going to have bodies that are healthy and strong. We're going to be living in a perfect world. Like We're going to see creatures that are beyond imagine, these, these cherubim and seraphim, all these angels and who, who knows what to what extent uh, the, the beauty and wonder of heaven is going to be. And so we have this, this miraculous future ahead of us. So considering what the Lord has in store for us, uh, are we rejoicing in that hope? Are we rejoicing in the hope that we have that is to come? Chad has these uh, re- visible reminders, these presents sitting that he sees that, uh, that get him excited. Uh, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have the ability to commune with the Father and we have the Word of God, a Bible that we can go to and we can read about what this future is that is in store for us. We have these things at our disposal but we need some spude, <laughs> some diligence, some, some uh, excitement to go to read it. We need to be devoted to um, to putting aside our own natural tendencies and, and refocusing, reshifting on what God says is the truth about our future. Because our future, uh, if, we, if we predict it by what we see, it doesn't always look good. But when we predict it by what we know about Christ, it looks great. If we, are, if we maintain a fervent spirit and we maintain hope, we... Uh, we, can, we can rejoice in our hope. Sometimes, though, we don't. We, sometimes we lose that excitement. Uh, there are times when life gets chaotic or there's tragedy that comes our way and we lose sight of the hope that we have, that hope that has the ability to sustain us and, and give us joy even in the midst of trials in life. The second part of Romans 12.12 12 says that we should be Patient in tribulation. Patient in tribulation. This is all connected. Hope is the reason why we can be patient in our trials. 
It's like studying your way through college because you have hope that you're gonna have some sort of a career at the end or, or you practice playing an instrument because you have a hope that at some point you're gonna be able to play beautiful music. Um, maybe you, you uh, hike to the top of a mountain you know, because you want to experience, you have this hope of seeing the world from the mountaintop. Um, there's, there's something at the end. If you're not just working hard with no hope. If you, if you didn't have hope, you wouldn't put in the effort. Uh, if we don't have hope, we, we don't persevere. In this life, we will face trials, but we know that the trial is not the end. The Bible says we'll face trials, but the trial's not the end. We have an amazing future that is beyond our circumstances. Looking back at Romans uh, 5, verse 3 through 5, it says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. It is in trials that we grow so much in our faith and we fall more deeply in love with God. As we draw near to him in our time of need, the hope of our salvation becomes more alive in our heart. We become more dependent on that hope because other hope has gone. We don't see other hope, but we have that hope that, that sustains us and, and carries us through, that helps us persevere. We have a hope that causes us to be able to be patient in tribulation. It, it's hard to be, you, we want to see the trial over and done with. Uh, but, but when we have hope in the middle of it and we know that the conclusion will be okay, but even, even, if, even if it's not for that situation, maybe that situation isn't going to end well. We can't have, have that guarantee, but our life, God's purposes, are going to end well. He can, he's going to use what he has, what, what we've been put into. What we've been, everything is, a, is, a, is an opportunity for God to show his, his ability, how he can turn. I mean, think about each one of our lives. Uh, we, we were depending on how you grew up or, or think about the different moments in your life, we've all kind of felt like a mess at some point. And God took that and showed his glory and showed his power by changing us into something completely different, that changing us into to someone who was lost to now has a future, from someone who used to be kind of gross on the inside to somebody who is, is, has a clear conscience that has... Um, has been washed clean, that can, that can stand confidently and boldly before God. Um, I know that's maybe a little bit different than the, you know, you think of yourself compared to circumstances that we, that we end up in, but God can take those broken circumstances and he can use them to show his glory, to bring something good out of it um, that we never thought was possible. Having that kind of hope only comes in Jesus. Hope in anything other than Jesus will eventually lead, lead to disappointment or despair. But that doesn't mean, just because we have that hope doesn't mean that we never feel those things, though, that we never, that we never grieve. It doesn't mean that we never grieve. It doesn't mean that we never sorrow. Um, it doesn't mean that we don't ever feel pain. 
Doesn't mean that we don't feel hurt sometimes or anger or frustration. All that comes through tri with trials. Like that's, that's in the middle of it. God gave us emotions and we're gonna feel. Some things are not gonna necessarily feel good, but God gives us hope and strength in the middle. It, it, it's, it's in the mix so that we can feel that pain, but we can still continue on. We can continue to move forward. Sometimes it's kind of a, a roller coaster, you know? Um, you know, we have this, these natural reactions to what's going on uh, in our mind and, and, and it battles with this hope that we have in Christ and, we, and we'll focus on the hope we have in Christ and we'll find this joy and strength and then, and then all of a sudden our eyes shift a little bit and, and we, we, we recognize the pain and sometimes it, it almost feels like you're feeling both at the same time. Like you have this sorrow for what's happening but you still have this hope and this joy that there's a future that's coming and it allows you to, to persevere. Um, it's like somebody, climbed, you know, I don't know if you've ever read or heard about these people who climb to the mountaintops. I don't know why anybody would want to do this. Um, you know, it costs thousands and thousands of dollars. They have to, you know, buy all this gear and hire somebody to help them. And, and then they take months and there's training involved just so that they can climb to the top of this frigid peak where they can barely breathe. I, I mean, I'm sure the view is nice, but I can get that from an airplane. <laughs> um, it's a lot cheaper. A lot easier. But, but on the way up, they have this, I mean, there is pain. <laughs> there is frostbite, you know. Some people lose fingers and toes <laughs> in this process. Uh, it's crazy. But they, they continue because they have this hope of something to come. They're feeling the pain, but they also maintain because they have this hope. We have a hope that continues to give us strength uh, even when life is hard. Even when the answer to the trial isn't clear, even when we don't know when we're going to make it, if we're going to make it to the mountaintop, even if we don't know that we're going to, this trial is going to end the way we want it to, Christ, in Christ we have this hope that paints a finish line that is beyond the circumstance. There, there's the circumstance that maybe will end pro poorly, but that's not the end. There's a finish line of victory that is beyond the end of that circumstance. Hope in Christ is what keeps us going and gives us that peace that surpasses understanding. Peace that surpasses understanding so that even while we're going through pain, we can still be rejoicing in hope. Both can be true at the same time. Hope in Christ doesn't always mean that the trial we face is gonna end the way we want them to. Sometimes businesses go under. Sometimes friendships dissolve. Sometimes family members die. But even when it appears to be a, feat, a defeat, that is just one page on a path to a destiny of victory. We are on, we're destined for victory. We may, we may suffer minor defeats, but we have a hope that is secure that makes these momentary defeats, these momentary trials pale in comparison. When we go back to, to considering what that future is that Christ has in store for us and the strength of the God that is going to carry us through, um, we can continue to have joy and rejoice through those things. Some of the greatest hymns were written uh, to remind us of these hopes. Uh, this, is, this is kind of funny. I didn't, I didn't talk to the worship team before they, they sang today. Um, but one of these songs, so you, may have, you may remember this one, says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. 
The song says, I dare not trust the sweetest frame. What does that mean? It's not a not typical English words today for us. Um, a frame is a, is a structure. It's a support system that everything else is supported on. Our house has a frame. Our bodies have a frame. Uh, organizations and governments have a framework based on ideas and principles that are to govern them and to help sustain them. They, everything they do is supposed to be based off of these these this framework that they've established. But none of these other frames, no matter how sweet they may seem, how good they may seem, none of these other frames provide an eternal hope. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. There's only Jesus' name provides something that we can really trust on. If you want to have something that's going to be secure, uh, later verses of that song, if we read this one portion of it, but the, or sang this one portion of it, but there's another part where it talks about how our, our, our life is, is held by this, this anchor, this anchor of Jesus Christ. Um, he's the anchor for our life. So we dare not trust the sweetest frame. When life around us does not give any visible signs that would lead us to hope, we as Christians still have hope. If everything around us seems to be falling apart, we have a hope that will prevail to the end, a hope that we can rejoice in. Paul was not just writing fluff. This was something that he experienced. He had really bad days, worse days than, than, than I think probably most of us have ever had, uh, probably any of us have ever had. Um, in one instance, uh, we recall him being thrown into prison with Silas, he didn't know what his future was going to be. You don't know, you know, what they're going to do with you, how long you're going to be there, if you're going to even survive. Um, but he didn't, dis- he didn't succumb to despair, but instead he sang and he prayed. And we can do the same because we have that same unfailing hope that they had. Another song that we used to sing uh, pretty regularly, I remember, I think Pastor Don would break out in this song in the middle of his sermons from time to time. Uh, He would say, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. It's because Jesus lives, because he, he doesn't just continue to live, he died and lived again. He died and lives again. We have that same hope. We have the same hope because we saw it happen in Christ and we have that same spirit alive in us and that is our future as well. Death can't hold us. The grave can't hold us. This was a song of hope. Hope differs from faith. It's very, very connected, hope and faith. But hope differs from faith in that hope is always directed forward. It's always talking about the future. We have a hope for tomorrow because we have that same Holy Spirit living in us that rose Jesus from the dead. Our future in Christ transcends this life. It transcends anything that this life can throw at us, even death. Biblical hope and rejoicing are linked together. He says to rejoice in hope. But they're linked together because uh, when we are living with hope, it gives us joy. The, the opposite is, uh, is also true. If we live without hope, then we live in despair. We live without joy. But if we live with hope, it gives us joy. We need hope. We need hope in our lives. Uh, Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope, 
And we read in other places where it says God is love. You know, we know that God is love. God is a lot of things. But, but it says now the God of hope. God is the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So God of hope fill you with all joy. Joy and hope are connected. Hope is one of the greatest treasures of Christian faith and there's nothing else in the world that can offer you the hope that we find in Jesus. Money can't buy you health. Health can't guarantee that you're gonna have wealth. Uh, people disappoint you or they pass away or they move away. Um, other religions of the world don't offer true hope. They leave you wondering whether or not you're good enough and leaves you with an uncertainty of your future. There's only one true hope that we can hold on to that is a solid rock, and that is Jesus. And the world is in need of this hope. It's a hope that extends beyond the, the trials and hurts of life, and it's a hope that we have. We have this hope, and we're commissioned to share this hope, to show this hope, to display it to the world. Let's rejoice in it. Let's consider what this hope entails and let it fill us with joy. Let the world see our confident patience in tribulation and, and wonder how is it that we persevere? How do we keep on going? How are we patient in tribulation um, when, when we don't know what's gonna happen in the situation? It's because this situation is momentary, but our hope is in something eternal. And then let's tell them. Let's tell them about the hope. Let's tell them about that eternal hope. Let's tell them why we have that hope. But if we are going to live out this Christian, these Christian attributes, this Christian attribute of hope, if we're going to live this out, we have to maintain it. We have to maintain it. And one of the ways that it seems like he's saying to maintain it is by prayer. He says back in 1212 again, it says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. We have to keep ourselves connected to God in prayer. Last week we talked about how to pot of water. You put it on the, on the source and it bubbles. You know, it, it, gets, it gets hot, it boils. You take it off for a second, the, the, act, the activity, the actions go away. Um, and so we have to be connected to the source. The same thing is true with our hope. It is, it is also um, maintained, it's, it's, it's brought to the forefront of our mind in prayer by communication. Uh, my wife oftentimes says to our kids, uh, communication is key. Communication is key. The kids get a little tired of hearing that. But uh, I don't know, if, have you ever planned uh, to meet with somebody uh, and you, you've scheduled, maybe you scheduled it a while back. You're going to meet with them at a certain place at a certain time and you get there and they're not there. And so the time comes and you still are hopeful that they're coming. You expect that they're going to be coming. A few minutes go by, five minutes go by and you you start to wonder maybe what's holding them up, but you still expect that they're going to be there. If 15 or 20 minutes go by, you start to think, well, did they forget? Are they, are they really coming? Um, now, if you would have called them and talked to them like five minutes before you were supposed to meet, and then they don't show up, well, now uh, you, you know that they're still coming. Like even if a bunch of time goes on, you're still hopeful that they are still coming, and you just figure, you know, they're going to have some sort of story to tell on why they didn't show up on time because something must have interfered. But they didn't forget. You have this strong hope and uh, this knowledge that they're coming because you've, you just talked to them. The more recent 
the communication. And the more communication you had about the details of, of what's going on, the more hope you have, the more confidence you have in it. Communication is key in all relationships. And so the same thing is true with, with Christ. When we are in constant hope, or constant prayer, I should say, we're in constant prayer with him and, we, and we're, we're thinking about and when he's talking about um, how he's there for us, how he has a future for us, how, how we're his child and, and we have our, this mindset on, on who we are in Christ and the future we have in him, we have this hope that maintains even when, um, you know, there's a verse that says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Um, you know, that's because you start to lose hope. But uh, we, can, we can be patient in tribulation. We can, be, we can, we can wait for the hope in Christ to, main, to, to come because we're not, we're not completely separate from it. We, though, though the future hope is, is still out there, we have a daily hope, uh, a daily connection with the source of that hope, the source of that future. We get to experience a little bit of that every day to keep that hope renewed and revived, but we have to do it. And the way that we do it, one of the main ways we do it is through prayer, through spending time talking with God. Our desire to continue steadfastly in prayer is not, uh, not only builds hope, but it also displays hope. If we don't truly believe that he holds the future, if we don't believe that God has it, that he's got it in control, um, that if we don't believe that he's the God of the impossible and that he can make the best out of the worst situations, uh, if we don't have hope in him, then why would we pray, right? Why would we pray? So it's kind of twofold, you know. Um, we, we pray to maintain our hope and also our prayer displays the fact that we have hope and it shows where we have it placed. If this is a kind of a checklist of our Christian health, if we're not praying, it's a little sign that maybe, maybe we're putting our hope in something else, like even if we're not feeling not joyful, maybe we're just not, maybe we're feeling joyful and okay because everything's going good. But that doesn't mean that we're joyful in the Lord. We're just, we're putting our hope in these other, this, the sweetest frame, you know, in these other things in life. But we can hope in God. We do know that he is faithful, that he is our ever-present help in time and need that he's never going to leave us or forsake us. And so we turn to him in prayer. As Christians, this is an attribute of Christian life that we continue steadfastly in prayer. And what does continuing steadfast in prayer look like? How much should we pray? Uh, how, much, how much should we pray? How much we should pray depends on how much hope we want to have. <laughs> how much hope do you, would you like to have? Uh, how much reason do you want to have for rejoicing? If we're not rejoicing in our hope in Christ, not just in the good times, but in the bad times too, or not just in the bad times and the good times too, sometimes you know, we, we pray more in the bad times than the good times, but if we're not rejoicing in both, we, we need to pray more. Uh, we, need to, we need to show some diligence in adding that to our routine, to our life. Oftentimes, like I said, we can get caught up in these other things that we're putting our hope in. We have our hope in a person or in a retirement fund, and we don't notice that we're not rejoicing in the Lord, that we're rejoicing in something different until all of a sudden hard times come and uh, we get knocked on our backsides because <laughs> we find out that uh, having hope in a bank account doesn't help you when you experience personal hurt. 
if we continue steadfast in prayer in the good times, we can stand during the bad times. But sometimes we, we let that slide. When things are going good, we, we, we back down on our steadfastness in prayer. And then we get, you know, something bad happens and we run back to God and we, he picks us back up and helps us and then the times go by and we start to, you know, get our eyes end up somewhere else. Needs tend to, to force us to, to go to the, the only one who can fill those needs. First uh, Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It says, pray without ceasing. Now, I don't, I don't believe that pray without ceasing means that you're talking nonstop to God all day long. That seems kind of impossible for our brains to be able to do. I, I, I have a hard time doing, you know, multitasking as it is, but if I'm always talking to God and then I'm also supposed to be thinking about, you know, navigating traffic or something, like sometimes those things, you know, my brain just isn't, isn't capable. Um, but I think that praying without ceasing means that you're recognizing that God's always there with you, that you're always spending time with him. Uh, you may not always be speaking to him, but he's always there. And, and, and you're aware of that and you're treating him as if he's always there. Can you imagine if you were with a friend all day long and you didn't say a word to him? Like that would just feel kind of weird. I mean, even if, even if you're not much of a talker uh, and you're spending all day with your friend and never saying a word to him is just strange. Um, there are many things that we run into every day that we can talk about. Like I said, it says pray without ceasing. We can, we can have a continual conversation. We can be going through the day and uh, talking to God. And it, right after it says pray without ceasing, it says in everything give thanks. So it gives you a kind of quick idea of what you could be talking to him about. Uh, we may run out of things that we are asking him for, you know, out of needs. You know, like I prayed for everything I need. What else am I going to do? Well, <laughs> we, 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 can, we can thank him. And actually there's a lot more things that we can say to him in Thanksgiving than there are in needs especially in this country and these, you know, we, we have a lot of our needs are met, but we have all of these needs that are met, which are reasons to give thanks. And so um, we can give thanks to him. Sometimes giving thanks doesn't come as naturally as, as uh, asking for help, though, because when we have a need, like I said, it kind of demands our attention. But as we spend more time with him and begin, become more aware that he's with us and depend on him daily and give him thanks more often, it just becomes more of a habit. It becomes more natural. Uh, when we begin to be thankful for the hope that we have in him, other little things that he puts in our lives begin to kind of jump out to us. Uh, an example that happened to me that I thought was kind of strange because um, I, don't, I don't always remember to thank God for the little things. Um, but I was at Fleet Farm and I was uh, feeling a little down and God had been kind of encouraging me over the last couple days and I'd been spending more time in, in prayer and, and I, was, um, I was reminded that I needed to buy some softener salt and I went over to buy the softener salt and I buy it in big bunches. I buy like eight bags at a time. And so I was like it when it's on sale and sometimes I'll wait till it's on sale and I walked over there and sure enough, the softener salt was on, hail, on, on sale and, uh, and I just, and I thanked God. It just like, came out, I just, thank you, Lord. <laughs> just like, like I needed that encouragement of just 
something positive happening, <laughs> you know, in my day. And, and it was just, it was cool. I just felt this, this little bit of joy that came into me when I thanked God. Um, I felt encouraged. I felt like there was, like, like I said, like this joy was restored in me. I didn't feel like I was walking around the store alone. It reminded me that he's there with me. God was spending time with me. I didn't realize it at a time, but rejoicing in the Lord, giving him that little prayer of thanks, was me recognizing that I have hope in him. Uh, hope even for today. Like, there, there's hope that he is going to continue to be with me and maintain me and love me throughout the day. Every next minute, the next hour, the next day, the, the, the next week, I have this hope that's, that's continual. So we have this hope that's far-reaching, but we also have this hope <clears throat> for each minute that's coming up that he is there with us. Uh, we are to be continuing steadfastly in prayer. I don't know what... Uh, I don't know that in this life that we can live that out perfectly. Like I said, it's hard to stay continually steadfast in prayer. Having both, you know, it's hard enough it was just continue in prayer or steadfast in prayer, but continuing steadfast in prayer sounds, sounds like a lot. Um, but, uh, but when we do, when we do continue in prayer, it's so good. It's so good. And we, we have those little moments of, 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 of communication with him and we just feel this joy bubbling up in us. And, uh, and then there's other times where we feel weighed down by life and we're just like, Ugh, just yuck. And, and we realize I'm not continuing steadfastly in prayer. I haven't been talking to God. I haven't been putting, I haven't been looking at the hope that I have in him. I've been looking at the hope I have in this situation, which is nothing. I have no hope in this situation. And so, and so I feel like crud. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I hanging on to this when, when I have this future hope, when I know that God is going to work everything out for good, uh, even if this particular situation doesn't end the way I expect it to, it, it's going to work out for good in some way, uh, and, and, uh, and maybe I'll have to wait till I get to heaven for God to explain to me how or what that did in me. Um, Maybe it, you know, maybe it was just to grow, draw me closer to him in relationship so that I can enjoy the love that he has for me in this life as I go through it rather than being distant. Sometimes we, we need a little trial and tribulation so that we can reconnect to God because we're kind of veering off. God has given us reason to hope. It is hope in the future but it is a hope for today. So it's a hope in the future, but we need it, but we use it today. It, it gives us joy today. Our hope as children of a loving and all-powerful God is a constant reason that we have that we can rejoice. Lord Jesus, we just, uh, we thank you. We thank you that uh, we can walk with you. That you are an ever-present help in time of need, Lord. We thank you that we have a hope that surpasses our current situations, our current, the current uh, prognosis, the current outlook when we look and survey the, the things happening in our life. Sometimes they don't look hopeful. Lord, and I thank you that we have a hope that is unfailing 
a hope that is never ending, a hope that is secure and protected by the power of God in heaven, that we have, as John read before service, that we have an advocate with the Father right now that, uh, that has us, that uh, we, can't, uh, we can't step out of that hope. We can, we can forget to look at it. We can forget to rejoice in it. We can, we can, uh, we can put it in the back of our mind, but, but we still have it. It's always there for us to run back to, to turn to, because your promises are forever. Your promise, you will not break the promises that you have made to us. You are unfailing, Lord, and we thank you. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us, help us to feel, to sense your Holy Spirit with us, to know that you are there walking with us, that you will carry us in times of trial and tribulation, Lord, and that you will give us this unspeakable joy, this joy that just doesn't make sense in the time that we're in, that we can rejoice even when things are a mess, Lord, even when there's still a, a, a feeling of pain maybe in the background, maybe a little sorrow on the side, Lord, but we're still, uh, we can still hold on to hope. We can know that this is temporary, this is momentary, and that you have a, another you have another finish line that is beyond this circumstance. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Romans 12, 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Jesus is the who of our hope. Jesus is the who of our hope. It is because of him and what he has done that we have hope. It is because of hope that we have in him that we can be patient in tribulation and our hope is maintained by continuing in relationship and communication with the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. So go walking and talking with God, remembering he's there with you and rejoice in the sure hope that we have in him. Amen? Amen. Amen.